Good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. And I'm sending my prayers your way, wishing you, your family, and your loved ones all the best. We've got an absolutely amazing episode of the show for you today. We have Gabriel Miguel on, and we are talking about the wisdom of Anastasia and the ringing cedars. Uh, Gabriel is the founder of the Anastasia Foundation, and they are a very powerful series of books that I am incredibly incredibly excited to read because whenever I hear about these books, people always put them in the absolute highest regard. I remember traveling and people would always say, you need to read the autobiography of a yogi. And whenever someone would talk about the Anastasia book series, they put them in that same incredibly high regard. So Gabriel talks us through some of the wisdom of the books, um, the Anastasia books. We go into the autobiography of a yogi, the ringing cedars, uh, Anastasia's wild lineage. We talk about the kin's domain. We talk about deep spiritual topics we talk about some of the challenges we face in the world and how to overcome the dark forces we talk about anastasia's view on god uh, consciousness Uh, we talk about plants and farming and the power of nature we talk about a, a very very powerful prayer to god and so much more this is an absolutely fantastic episode of the show i know you're going to enjoy it and if you do please share it far and wide please take a moment to leave a review in itunes they are so helpful or a rating in spot If you want to become a member, go to mattbelair.com. You can do so for free or by donation. And when you do, you're going to get access to the Soul Compass course, which is a quick and concise guide to knowing your life path and purpose. And it also has some peak performance tools in there. You also get meditations, exclusive content from past guests, and so much more. So there's a ton of value in the membership. It does serve as the Patreon, so you can contribute whatever you want. And you can also access it for free. Just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. And if you want to go a step further and you want to design and build a life from your highest and most authentic parts of you and design and leave a lasting legacy that you'll be proud of hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching i'd love to work with you your your organization if that's what's going on and just learn more how i can support you with all these incredible tools that i learned from all these guests my own training and my own life experiences to help serve you and help you live the most powerful and the most authentic life that you can. And that that sounds interesting. Again, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And also um, just reach out matt at zenathlete.com. That also works. So that's it. The best way as always to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. And that's it. Let's just come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into the show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, empowerment, connection, faith, wisdom, courage, energy. And get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Gabriel Miguel. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is the founder of the Anastasia Foundation and at the forefront of the Ringing Cedars of Russia movement in the English-speaking world. With a focus on connecting, inspiring, and empowering Ringing Cedars readers, the foundation has become the largest international community of those who have been touched by the divinely inspired and soul-awakening message of the Anastasia book series. The foundation's ultimate goal is to bring about joyful co-creation for all mankind with God. Welcome to the show, Gabriel Miguel. 
Matt, thank you, brother. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, I am so stoked to get into this because as we uh, we were trying to get the show yeah. going, and um, there's very few of these like must read spiritual books that I have not read mm-hmm. yet, and I came across this series when I was living in a yurt in Australia like 15 years ago, and I haven't been able to get get through the books. But all I heard was these: you got to read these books. They're they're amazing. Mm. And so I'm so excited to have you here to discuss her work um, and these books and the message. So why don't you just start with a little bit of background on who you are, and then we're going to get into the Anastasia Foundation. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. So if I'm not, then please correct me. Anastasia. Yeah, I mean, Anastasia is the way you'd say it in Russian, but we're Americans, so we just do things. <laughs> I mean, if you want to stay Anastasia, but it's it's Anastasia here. So I know I know women named Anastasia, and they don't mind if you call them. Anastasia. So it's all good. But yeah, so again, I'm I'm happy to be here, brother. And that's interesting. I didn't know that you found out about the books so long ago. So probably this this conversation will be pretty interesting for you. And yeah, so a little bit about me is I basically I read the books in 2014. I had heard about them through a spiritual teacher I was following at the time. And I was really looking for truth. You know, I I I'm a pretty young guy. I'm 28 now. So 2014, I don't know, what was I, 1920, somebody correct my my math. But uh, I was young and I was just on my path and searching for truth. And I'd already read a lot of books from all the different religions and found things that I considered beautiful and things that were, mm, you know, very contributing to my my vision of life and why I was here and what my purpose of being was. But I didn't find something that totally satisfied me. I didn't fully find a reason to work so hard in this world and where to apply my energy and why I was alive and what this was all about and what is the beautiful truth behind all these things and desperately, desperately, desperately searching. Uh, And I listened to this interview. This guy mentions the Siberian master Anastasia. And those words just like ring in my soul so strongly. And I'm like, Siberian master Anastasia? I would have heard about this kind of person. Who is this? And so I go and I look and I find Ringing Cedars books. And there's all these reviews there about how the books have touched people's souls and moved their hearts and changed their lives. And I'm like, I clearly need these books. Back then, you could get them for, I got my first book for $4 on eBay with like $2 shipping or something ridiculous like that. Now book one is probably between like $40 and $50 used. We're working to fix that problem because we're going to be publishing the books in English. I'm going to try to keep the cost around $20 per book. Um, and so that should that should be a lot easier in the future. But anyway, I got the books and I, I devoured them. I devoured the first eight books, I think, in like two weeks and read the first book in like a day. And um, basically halfway through book one, I realized that I found all the answers that I was looking for. I found all the undistorted truth that I was looking for. I found... What it was is that there's no there's no dogma, there's no mysticism. Everything is clear and in plain words, and it's not trying to be dull or mystical. And you get the highest truths laid out to you in the most plain and simple and inspiring language. And everything is clear and open and accessible. And I was like, wow, couldn't believe it. And I just was like, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to spreading this and helping people hear about this and giving people these answers and helping people, you know, understand these things. And so I tried to find other readers of the books and I couldn't, 
And so this was 2014. The books had finished being published in English probably around 2008, 2009. There's 10 books in the series currently. Um, at that time, there was nine. And I think they had just you know, been published for a few years already. And so tried to find a place to connect with other readers. And I couldn't. I was looking for like Ringing Cedars Forum online. And I couldn't find anyone. All the, all the forums were just dead. It would just go to like a 404. And I'm like, this is egregious. This is a crime against humanity. I found the most powerful information I've ever found in my life. And there's no one to talk to. So I just created my own forum. And I decided, you know, let's do this. Because I, I had some internet background and knew how to do these things. So I did it. And basically over a long period of time since then, I met a lot of people, a lot of good friends I've made, and we worked together and did lots of different events and basically built what we have now, um, which is the largest international community of Ringing Cedars readers. And it's just growing by the day, and it's going to get much larger once the books are actually published through our foundation. And just for some context, uh, I know we're going to get into this more, but uh, the books are actually huge. They're international bestsellers. They're published in almost 30 languages. They sold 700,000 copies in English, uh, probably more than that. I think that statistic is old. And then when you factor in the used book market, um, it's like 10, 15 million copies in Russian and wow. in Russia and pretty much all the other countries. But in Russia, um, they sold that many copies with no advertising money. That was literally people read the books and were so inspired to share that they just shared it and uh it just spread like wildfire and it created a huge movement over there which we'll wind up getting into they have passed some laws in russia because of these books and have began giving out land to the russian citizens free uh and wow. some pretty big things have happened there and a giant movement has developed from all this and basically we're working to organize all that here in the english-speaking countries and so that's that's a little bit about me. It's mainly I'm just here to help people connect and actualize the the dream set forth in this book a little more quickly. Wow. These well, books. Yeah, I I love that introduction and I love the testimony. And that's what I've heard people say. That's why I knew I had to read it because of how people would speak about the book mm. exactly as you did. I remember similarly, it was the autobiography of a mm. yogi. You have to read this book and it's a very powerful book. And I do think any spiritual seeker yeah. should highly consider reading that book. Yeah, it's you know, it's phenomenal what's in there. And so I every time I hear someone who's read these books, they 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 feel the same way. There's also the life yeah. in masters of the the life and teachings of the masters of the far east i don't know if you've come across those, but those are, yeah those are really inspiring books okay. as well yeah. um so i'd love you to and i'd love for you to mm -hmm. dive into mm -hmm. who this person is because this is like what my understanding of it and i yeah. want you to get into it is like a real person it's like some sort of forest woman that somebody had found. And then this person is talking to this Anastasia woman who mm -hmm. he found randomly in the forest and then realizes she has all of this incredible wisdom and then sure. the books are created. And so that's the story I've heard. And I'm curious if, if that's accurate and if you right. could speak about who she is in, in the books. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'd be really happy to. And sorry if this light is distracting people, the sun is setting, there's a mountain in front of me. It's about to go down in front of the mountain here. It's all up in my eyes right you look, now. You look good. But um, it, it's well great lit. that you brought up Yogananda. Thank you, brother. 
It's actually great that you brought up Yogananda real quick, because for, for anybody who's read Autobiography of a Yogi, um, I actually am a disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. I follow um, Kriya Yoga, I practice Kriya Yoga and all that. And um, I, even him as my own guru, I consider him my guru. I still rank, I would say people read the entire Ringing Cedars book series, then read Autobiography of a Yogi. And you've pretty much got everything you need on this planet um, from my perspective. And that, and that's coming from a, a dedicated disciple of many years of Yogananda, right? And so that's that's a serious thing for me to say. But anyway, um, so Anastasia, what is, how did all this happen, right? So what is the, the Ringing Cedar series about? How did Vladimir Magre meet Anastasia and all these things happen? So basically, in the 90s, Vladimir Magre was a entrepreneur, and he was sailing up and down a river in the high northern parts of Siberia with a caravan of ships and they were doing trading up and down the river with little villages and things and they were bringing goods and they were trading things and basically one time when they went on a another trade expedition they got off at a little uh a tiny little village with you know just a couple houses and he meets two old men very unusual old men and they start telling him about this ringing cedar and they start talking about the properties of this cedar and so they're saying the ringing cedar is a Siberian cedar tree that has reached its maximum age of about 550 years. And they describe the cedar as God created it to store cosmic energy, to store the energy from the stars and the sun and the moon, and to reflect that back to humanity when that kind of energy was running low in our civilization. And so they asked Vladimir, can you basically send a team of your people into the taiga, which is the Siberian cedar forest there, and cut down the cedar tree and distribute pieces of it to the people. And they start telling him some more. They say, why is it called a ringing cedar? It's because it's accumulated so much energy that if you put your ear to it, you're going to hear a ringing sound. And it's like an electrical power line crackling sound. And eventually Anastasia actually shows him one of the ringing cedars. And Basically, he can't do it, but he winds up um, thinking about what they said. He has to leave. And so he he leaves and he's thinking about these interesting old men and what they told him about the healing properties of cedar. They say that the ringing cedar can cure any disease. If you wear a little pendant of it, if you put it on you, it'll cure anything uh, bar, you know, barring nothing. And so he goes back to, to Novosibirsk. It's this Siberian city. He thinks about what they said and he decides to come back next year to try to meet them again. And he does all this research about the cedar and all of its properties. And he's amazed, finds out all these interesting facts. So he comes back and stops at this village, but he doesn't see the old men. He sees a young woman and he doesn't really see her properly because she's kind of clothed at the time. But um, she basically says, those two men were my grandfathers, right? And she starts addressing him by his first name and he never said his name to her. He sh she shouldn't know his name, but she addresses him as Vladimir. And um, basically, she says, I can tell you everything you want to know about the ringing cedar, and I can show you where the ringing cedar is, and I can tell you anything that you possibly want to know. And she says, do you want to come with me into the, into the taiga, into my home, into the home here in the forest? And he says, yep. So he goes on a 25-kilometer hike with her. And he spends three days there with her and he 
uh, she tells him about everything. He, well, basically who, who is Anastasia, right? So he meets her and um, he basically comes to find out that her family line has lived separately from the rest of humanity in harmony with God, preserving all the knowledge of mankind's what she calls pristine origins since the beginning of time. She's the survivor of a civilization that has lived completely separately um, since the beginning and she has perfect genetic memory of everything that's happened in human history all the way to the first day of creation, even before man was created. And she's been able to preserve all these things because of her lifestyle and the consciousness of the people. Um, and so Vladimir describes her in the book. He says, Anastasia lives in the forest altogether alone. She has no house to call her own. She hardly wears any clothes and does not store any provisions. She's the, the descendant of people who've been living here for thousands of years and represents what is literally a whole different civilization. She and those like her have survived to the present day through what I can only term the wisest possible decisions. Anastasia was born here and is an integral part of the natural surroundings. She did not go off into the forest simply for a time as they, such as Buddha, Jesus, Moses did. She was born in the taiga and visits our world only for brief periods. And she has one extraordinary ability is that when she's telling a story, the pictures of the events that she's talking about will arise in the person's consciousness who's listening to it or in space, like a hologram, like a visible image in front of a person. And the images are three-dimensional and they have smells and sounds and everything. And she has shown Vladimir pictures of people's lives all the way from uh, the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, she talks about the creation of, of man and the universe and everything, and everything about her ancestors and all the people that have lived before her. And um, Vladimir says, if you could try to characterize Anastasia's capabilities in one phrase, you could say that she preserves all the experiences and emotions of the members of her extended family, starting with the creation of the very first human in her genetic memory, and she's able to call them up at will. And she can also model pictures from the lives of people in the future. And so she has retained all kinds of memory and abilities. Um, she can do all kinds of things uh, such as teleport and um, heal people and all these kinds of things. But that's basically who she is. Wow. Well, that is unbelievable. Um, from my account of it, I didn't know she had all the mystical powers so that is incredibly fascinating to learn the one question i wanted to ask you before we move forward what is the taiga again did you explain that is that just the forest or her house or what is that yeah so that's the vast expanse of forest in siberia it's huge um it's kind of like an amazon size forest up there it's one of the biggest forests ever in the world okay cool um all right now i wanted to jump in with some reference points, you know, what you're saying, it sounds a little bit unbelievable. Um, but I think it's possible sure. because in my own travels of seeking people out like this, I think that's what I did for a period of my life when I was, um, you know, studying with the monks and I wanted to train with the Shaolin monks as well, right? The Tibetan monks. I wanted to see if there were enlightened people, people right. with these actual powers. I learned a lot of people don't have them at all. Um, there's a lot of deception. And when I trained with the Shaolin nope. monks, I realized that there actually yep. were people on this planet that were extraordinary, <clears throat> that were exceptional, that could do things that are completely impossible yep. to the regular individual. And I'm reminded of interviewing mm -hmm. John Turk, who is 
the National Geographic Adventure of the Year. Uh, really interesting guy. And he mm-hmm. got lost on one of his trips. Something happened and he was in Siberia. And when you said Siberia, it's like, oh, that's where he met this mm-hmm. woman called Molinot and had these mystical experiences. If you talk to John or you you, you speak to him, he's like this gruff interesting. man. You know what I mean? He's not a guy who's going to make up some yeah. story. You know what I mean? He's very, he's not the guy who's going to yep. say some crazy stuff, you know, but the story of Mullinat, and if you totally. want to check out his, his show, um, just search John Turk, J-O-N-T-U-R-K. And it's both the interviews I did with him are absolutely phenomenal. I he's will. A great, he's a great guy. And he, when he talks about Mullinat, it's a very powerful, life-changing mystical experience, similar to what you're speaking about here. And then the other thing mm. I wanted to bring up for realm of possibility right. is that one of my uh, teachers was a Mayan elder named Carlos Barrios. And we would talk about um, different mystical things. And I mm-hmm. had the pleasure of meeting him in Guatemala. And that that episode is on the podcast mm-hmm. as well. I highly recommend uh, people check that out because I interviewed him in Guatemala and I put that up as kind of like a side podcast when we were uh, there for this very special Mayan fire ceremony that they hadn't done in 20 years. And he would share some of the mystical experiences he had that are not of this world. He talked about one of his teachers, like, you know, manifesting in a portal on top of the mountain and then disappearing and talking about how, you know, the deactivation and all these things are not that crazy. You just got to know what you're doing. And um, so he talked about that, but he also spoke about this summit that he did or he did a gathering of the elders in 1990 somewhere around there and i might be muddy on the time frame and he brought all these elders from uh, north and south america together and the one like kind of super elder right. very special guy he stayed at his house and what he said was he was having a shower and he ran out and he said your water is dead and when he spoke about this guy he lived full time hmm. in the forest that's where he lived he didn't really go into the cities and it brought about this idea for me that yeah. how different would your consciousness be? Would your view of the world be? Would your connection with nature and God be if you were fully immersed full time only in nature and what is natural? That's, you know, in nature is God's law. It's like yeah. it's chaotic, but it's also yeah. harmonious. Everything works together. Right. Yeah. Things get eaten, but it's a cycle of life. You know what I mean? Like the Lion right. King is a very a silly way to put it. Um, but right. imagine the, right. the different level of consciousness <laughs> you'd have and the, the no, level it's of true. distraction we have here. So I just want to bring up those two uh, you know, side points to this because right. it sounds like she's another one of those people that truly is connected to something else. Yeah. Those are wonderful points, Matt. And like exactly to your point, what you said, the story about John Turk is his name and, yeah. and Molina is, yeah. is Vladimir McGree. When he, when he went out there, he, this is right at the end of the Soviet union in Russia. He's an entrepreneur. He is a all for all intents and purposes, normal guy. He eats meat and he drinks and he smokes and he's, you know, he he just is a normal guy with no spiritual background at all, really. And he's basically a blank slate. So, you know, he goes out there and he has all these experiences with Anastasia. And some people ask, is she real or is she not? Well, you take an, a Siberian entrepreneur like Vladimir and ask him to make up something like this and see if you could do it. Or you read these books and see if you could make it up, right? She says, I exist for those for whom I exist. You don't have to believe she's real, but if there's something in the books that resonates in your heart and touches your soul and and inspires you in a beautiful way, then that's kind of more the the point, right? And so 
she talks of she has all these different abilities and things and um you know like what you were saying people who she she says in one of the books that there's people like her who live apart from abilities that are inherent in man all of these things are not outside of the realm of of human possibilities just because of our culture our lifestyle our consciousness we can't do these things we can't um think in these ways like she has access to the entire database of the universe she can she doesn't even it's explained in the books that she doesn't even store this information in her head it's that through her feelings whenever she desires she can learn anything about any time at any moment and just know everything like she can recite all the ancient scriptures by you know just right there and rattle them off but she doesn't really consider that important and so some of the interesting things are like um you talked about i just want to remember what you were saying because there was a really good point um well basically vladimir spends some time with her right he spends 3 days with her initially and she asks him to go and write this book about his experiences with her and so he promises her that he's going to write the books so he returns to moscow and he starts writing about everything she says and she talks about everything she talks about how to live um a life in harmony with god right and um mankind's true purpose what the true purpose of our communication with nature is what is the true purpose of that connection um how to turn the world into a pristine flourishing garden paradise how to preserve love in families so that way families stop falling apart and they continue growing in love and we raise children in love and we raise children in a beautiful flourishing garden with happy people all around and she talks to him about everything and and to your point it's it's not unreasonable to think like you know she was raised in this like vladimir said she wasn't she didn't visit the forest she her family's been living there forever they've been living in that little glade in siberia for thousands and thousands of years and you know she is an intimate part of that environment she demonstrates to vladimir when he's there that the trees and the birds and everything respond to her heartbeat changes in her heartbeat will make the trees start producing more oxygen or the birds will start chirping faster and she winds up synchronizing his heartbeat with hers and he winds up feeling this connection with all the nature around right and all of nature there reacts to her as you know basically um as their leader or something that they are they have the highest respect for her and uh, are connected with her and so yeah i mean she's retained all these things and her consciousness is extremely pure and um you know probably the purest words that you would read is is anastasia's words and so she talks about all these things um and he goes back and he writes the books and they wind up selling all these millions of copies that i've told you about and spawning this whole movement and so one of the little things that she she says is um Vladimir asks him what do you think awaits the future of our civilization and she says in the long term a realization of the futility of the technocratic path of development and a movement back to our pristine origins you know and she talks about basically we have a biological system that god has created all of nature's creation she explains that nature is god's materialized thoughts and to commune with god is to commune with nature conscious communication with nature is to understand god and the creator and to live in harmony with him and so she says we have the technocratic path 
which separates itself from that and destroys God's creations and creates this anti-rational system of death and destruction. And we have the biological path of development where if we co-create with what God has given us, um, our civilization can reach great heights and, and all of these things. I know there's a lot to unpack there, so maybe I'll stop mm -hmm. for a moment. Yeah, well, that that's amazing. And I'm just drawing on correlations from my own life experience, because when you're sharing these things, I'm getting, you know, a little bit of a, a resonance. And I found when I've on the, the spiritual path and listened to speakers who were saying some, you know, just speaking about what they've learned, if my body kind of tingles, it's like, oh, this is something that you need to look into. And um, so it's interesting that as you're speaking, yeah. I'm getting like, you know, some tingles about the trees and, and these other things. And one of the stories I want to bring up is that I had a very powerful mystical experience when I was in Costa Rica, which is one of those experiences that mm -hmm. go beyond time and space. And I got stuck in a meditation. Uh, if anybody ever, you yeah. know, when I meditate, I don't go into some sort of Zen mode. If you've ever tried meditation, mostly it's you're battling your own mind to shut the hell up. And that's how mine is, right? I am, I'm not a master of any of these things. I wish I was. Um, so most of the time I meditate, you know, I can get into a clear mind if I'm doing it for an hour and I'm consistent. It's, it's like practice, you know, the more you practice, yeah. the better you're at it. So I can, I can do that, but it's not common for me to get stuck in an eight hour meditation where I'm stuck into the void in the oneness consciousness. I've transcended all the things, you know, there's no words for it. So anyway, as I learned a lot of things from that sure. meditation, I came back and one of my teachers at the time, David Lombear, I speak in him. And one of the things I learned was how connected the entire planet and ecosystems are and how wind um, travels information from all the birds, other plants, all the animals around the world. That's why it goes over the oceans. I was like, oh, interesting. So I told this to David mm. Bear, And then I was also aware of how the birds communicated and the deers communicated. So if there's hunters in the forest, for example, the birds are going to send the signal down to the deer so the deer can be aware of what's going on and everything is communicating right. harmoniously. And that's just one high level fragment of something that is so complex and really unbelievable. This doesn't even go into like the trees and the plants and the root systems and how all of that works. The more you look into it, yeah, you, right. that's a great way to put it. You're looking at God's design. And it's amazing that she brings up this technocratic yeah. future because it is, you know, I think at the root of it, it's also, it's almost satanic because it's, it's in the sense that it's, something unnatural that steers you away from God that is inverted rather than being a perfect yep. divine human being. They're now confusing yep. kids. And it's controversial to say now that men are men and women are women. That's, that's a controversial thing to say now, which I think is absolutely. I, I know, right. Mm -hmm. You could even make, it's just like the craziest thing ever. Um, you know, what's going on now. And so you can see this inverted reality and yeah. you can also see what's going on with the technology and, um, virtual reality <clears throat> screen time, like the scrying mirror being fully taken away from the, from the natural. And the last point I'll make yep. is there's um, a, a book series called Jesus and the Essenes. And one of the things that speaks about are ways to know God. And I'll try yep. to remember all of them. It's uh, meditation is one, a good yep. spiritual teacher is another study is another, I believe there's four. And the fourth True. one is, is time and nature just simply time and nature. And I had a friend yep. of mine who exactly. was in Whistler who uh, you wouldn't call him spiritual at all. He's very crass, <laughs> very crass individual, makes very crass. Yeah, yeah. And I saw him a couple of years later and he just knew a lot of 
stuff. I could talk to him about the deepest spiritual concepts and he understood them mm. and knew them and had his own direct experience. And I had to ask him as a, how do right. you, how do you know this? How did you figure this out? And he said, all I do is I take right. my sled out in nature. And that's how you know, he said, I'm in nature 150 days a year by myself. And I, and I, that's when I realized that that was a, a true teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's what it is. And man, those are some great points. Can you, can you remind me, you said something, um, God, I'm kind of blanking a little bit here. You said, can you remind me of some of the points that you just said, Matt? Uh, the four ways to know God. Is that what you're talking about? Four ways to know God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and what was before that? Uh, this is where I might actually, YouTube has it. <laughs> I would have to go back. Gotcha. I just tried, um, you know, oh, communication with the forest, right? How everything was okay, you know, connected. Right. 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 Thank you for reminding me. Um, and so what I wanted to say is that, yeah, you're, you're hitting everything exactly. So Anastasia talks about what is the purpose of communication with the natural world, right? What is our purpose in relationship to nature, right? And so actually in the fourth book of the series, which I have right here, co-creation, Anastasia basically says, you know, what God intended for man. And it's summed up in one sentence, right? Uh, conjoint creation and joy for all from its contemplation. And then basically there's a question, what may bring joy to everyone in the universe? And they say birth. And the birth of what? Uh, a birth in which will be included particles of all, right? And basically this is God responding, actually. This is God saying conjoint creation and joy for all from its contemplation, right? And what is conjoint creation? It means, well, God basically gave us this world, right? He created the universe from a thought, and then he dreamed it all into existence. And then he put us here amidst this beauty, which he created for us and basically said, steward this and be fruitful and multiply, right? And that kind of thing. And so we take this canvas of nature, right? And we can give a material embodiment to our, our spirituality and our love and all these things like uh like god did basically what he did is he created the garden of eden and then he put adam and eve here and he created a space for us and so talking about conscious communication with nature right anastasia says that god has his material body is the universe therefore consciously communicating with these materializations is to directly communicate with god right and so she talks about the idea of what's called a kin's domain which is a two and a half acre piece of land where basically you say, I'm going to settle my family line here, right? I am going to create a beautiful corner of paradise for myself, the person I love. And then we're going to have children here. or We're going to raise our children here and we're going to pass this land down in perpetuity to our descendants, right? And the purpose of the kin's domain, the two and a half acres, why specifically that size is you're supposed to have a direct relation with everything that's growing on that land. You're supposed to be able to consciously communicate with everything that's growing there. And so she basically says that two people who uh, are in love, right? Uh, she talks about finding your soulmates, right? And some of this might sound impractical. Some of this might sound like I'm talking about some paradise thing, but we're talking about the most essential things, honestly, our, our connection with the land, right? Because we all live on the earth, but most of us don't have a piece of it to call our own. We don't have a piece of the earth that's ours. We don't have a space for our family that we can give them 
and and they can grow up in, right? Some of us are blessed that way, but most of us aren't. Um, love, right? She talks about the importance of finding your soulmates and happy families. That's the most practical thing we can be talking about because the whole world is made up of individual families, right? And preserving the love between those people is kind of the most important thing because that's what's happening in our society. Families are breaking down. There's all kinds of abuse and many localized wars all over the world in domestic situations, right? And so these are real things that really matter. And Anastasia gives answers for all these things. So you you um, find a piece of land and I'm going to settle my family line here. I'm going to give birth to children in this space and I'm going to plant a beautiful garden uh, for them, for the future generations, right? So two and a half acres and you basically fence it off with a living fence of trees and bushes and things like that. 50 to 75% of it is a forest of all kinds of trees. It could be any trees you want, nut trees, fruit trees, all these things. You dig a pond, you build your house, and you plant your flower garden, your orchard, your vegetable garden. You have a space in the forest for some animals. And basically, you create and you... What she talks about, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm going a little deep here. The last thing I'll say is um, she says that, well, actually, I'm just going to read a quote here from the books because this might sum it up a little better. What, what we're talking about here is as a direct practice of spirituality, right? We're talking about directly giving a material embodiment to your spirit. She says, you can take the love that you feel between the person that you love and yourself, and you can materialize that in this space of the kin's domain and each tree each bush each plant everything that's growing there will reflect that love back to you and preserve it in this space forever and it's only going to grow it's only going to grow over time because these things that you're creating with are eternal god's creations are eternal the trees and the flowers and everything are eternal so the love between the people gets ensured and it just grows. And the children who grow up there, they grow up in basically a cradle of, of heaven that was made for them. And wouldn't we all want to be born in a place like that? Imagine waking up and seeing abundant trees and flowers and animals everywhere. And you think, mom and dad did all this for me. All this was for me. And, you know, for me to grow up in joy and to be nourished by these apples and the blueberries and everything and all the animals and all that. And so, what we're talking about is is the future of the world, the new civilization. And she talks about, um, you know, giving a material embodiment to your spirituality. And so one of the quotes from the books, which I always read, which I think sums this up really well, Vladimir says, let each one of us take a small plot of his land, one hectare, pull his whole mind and whole spirituality together and create a very small but concrete paradise. He will transform his little piece of land on our large planet into a flourishing garden giving a material embodiment to his spirituality, following God's example, like when God created the earth and put us here. Vladimir says, if millions of people do this in a whole lot of countries, then the whole earth will become a flourishing garden. A father and mother who are actually creating a space of love for their children are more spiritual than the most celebrated wise men who only talk about spirituality. Let the spirit of each man spring up from the ground as a beautiful flower, a tree with fragrant fruit, and let this take place on every single hectare of our planet. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. so. This is co-creation. This is what co-creation is about. 
Yeah, that's incredibly beautiful. And it and it resonates with me so deeply because of its uh, simplicity. It, to me, it makes perfect sense. One of the things you touched on is the importance of family. And that's something that I've noticed more and more in my life with the indoctrination of how for young men and the music videos and things like that, it's, you know, you're yeah. a ladies man. And and even in, in some of the Burning Man festival communities, right, they're trying to go to polyamory and all sure. this ty- type of idea, which I've never seen work. I've seen people try i haven't seen it work yet um you know but the most it's heartbreaking on all sides yeah the most beautiful experience the biggest blessing that i've had is having a daughter and that was when i had a family and there's been no level of fulfillment that is even close to being a father and that is something that you know, for me, I thought would happen, but it wasn't something that I was like desiring. I wasn't like, like I knew there's going to be a point, but it wasn't mm. even in this like new agey spirituality that don't yeah. talk about so much family or relationship or the importance of that and, and how beautiful and wonderful it is. And then no. again, on the, you know, the deceptive and what I call the satanic urge or the inversion is the, you know, this idea of just, you know, sexuality and perverseness and essentially the breaking of the yeah. family, any, any action, any yep. agenda, any idea to break the family unit, which is probably the most spiritual and beautiful thing that you can do. And I'm reminded of one of the teachings of Absolutely. David Lombear that he would say all the time is that he goes, you know, you're electricians are more spiritual than your spiritual teachers. And I asked him why, and he said it was because they're actually doing something right. And I got that in real life when I had our house in Ontario and uh, our neighbor was an electrician and he could help me with anything that would go wrong with my house. He, you know, not just electrician, but other stuff. And for me, all I could do is I could go over and help him move stuff. I could be his assistant, you know? So for the real direct benefit for my family to keep, keep us warm, to keep us fed, to keep us everything functioning as it could, he was doing a real thing. It wasn't some sort of uh, spiritual thing that you can't touch. And I love the idea of bringing this spirituality to the grounded, you know, the grounded forefront. And it resonates very deeply with me to have that two acres of land that is yours, that is your paradise, that it would make you more spiritual than the highest level of wisdom um, that you could read because it's a spiritual embodiment. It just, it makes sense to me. It resonates with me. And then I figure out how the heck would I do that? And I'm also on board with the idea that that environment would communicate with you to a higher level. Uh, I've noticed this in my life with animals. I've had very yep. Yep. profound animal experiences. You, you know, even one day I had, I saw a butterfly on the, uh, the edge of a uh, tree and I stuck out my finger and I just stared at him and yep. I said, I'm loving energy. And I kind of prayed and it was amazing. Mm. Cause he got off after about five minutes, he flew away, had a big backyard, the opposite direction and then made a U-turn. And then immediately I thought, oh my God. And I put out mm. my hands and he landed right on the finger that I was sending the positive energy from. And my wife was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like I cannot believe that that happened, you know? And the next day, same thing came back and she wanted right. to do it, but she was, she was like an excited puppy at first, you know, she was too, <laughs> too intense. So I was like, here, this yeah, yeah, yeah. and I calmed her down, you know, told her how to do the breathing and what to do. And then the butterfly came in and was on her finger. And that, that was just, you know, just a beautiful 
experience, you know? And so I can only imagine if mm. you were really mm. integrated into the land, right? Integrated into God's creation, yeah. right? What is natural or right. the opposite of that right. is you get up, you get on a screen, you drive on cement, you go into a cubicle, right? A lot of people, one of my friends is a, a, well a finance a finance guy. And uh, he's like, some, sometimes he was struggling with his, you know, happiness and things. It's like, well, think about it, man. You stare at a screen eight hours a day. Like you go into a cubicle and stare at a box, right? That's not really life affirming. I understand True. about money and providing for your family and things like that. However, how I believe we're supposed to live, that's not a very natural way to sit down and to be staring at a screen most of your day. That is going to take away your life Certainly. force, your vitality. It's a very different way of living. Right. Wow, man. That that's amazing. I mean, there's so much there. And like one little example where you're talking about with the butterfly. So Anastasia has she she wasn't just born into her her place where she lives now for the first time. Her family's been there for thousands of years, taking care of this one particular piece of land. She literally is so embedded in that environment. All the animals there completely obey her. Uh, a wolf, a bear, eagle, squirrels will come and bring her cedar nuts from the trees and they will shell them for her and put them in her hands. And everything there completely listens to her, right? And it's because it's she is familiar to that environment like everything there they saw her when she was born like she's born outside all the animals they witness this you know and they feel this instant love and attraction to take care of this child and she says all the animals in creation um endeavor to feel the light of grace coming from man the light of love that can only emanate from man they're happy just to to do things in return for that because that's that's what they want it's like the sunlight for them right and so all the animals there just happily and joyfully serve it's like why do our dog why do our dogs so loyal to us they just they they want our love right and and so that's just a, a small example and so talking about co-creation right this sentence co-creation conjoint creation and joy for all from its contemplation it's very deep because what can bring joy to everyone? Well, if you think about a little paradise like this, a two and a half acre kin's domain where, you know, the domain of your kin, right? The space of your kin where it is your space, this beautiful paradise planted with love. Well, that's definitely going to bring joy to everyone who sees it, right? Unless they're a sociopath. Um, and, you know, a child born in that environment is, it's kind of like the ultimate thing that that we could do. It's, it's, Vladimir said in the quote that I read that we're following God's example by creating a little paradise like this, right? And why does he say that? It's because God did exactly the same thing in the beginning. He created the most unbelievably beautiful garden possibly imaginable, filled the world, created the universe with all these wondrous things, the stars, the sun, the moon, the birds, the water, the trees, the fruits, all this beauty, and then put us there to enjoy it. And it's the same thing right? It's like, we can actually repeat that. And so we're actually living in God's image is you can take a piece of the earth for yourself, for your family, create a beautiful paradise, have children there, raise them here and hand that on to them and keep doing that in, in perpetuity. Right. And then, so what happens actually, the kin's domain is just the beginning piece of it. You get what's called kin's domain settlements when multiple kin's domains are created next to each other. So now we start getting into 
the big stuff that's really happening in real life, the huge movement that's all around the world is um, the kin's domain movement, where like in Russia, they have like a thousand settlements and the largest ones have 300 to 400 families, each on two and a half acres of land. They've been there for like 25 years, the oldest ones. The books were published in the 90s in Russia. And so actually there's a giant movement <laughs> happening over there. And if you look around the surrounding Soviet Union countries, former Soviet Union countries, there's a bunch of kin's domain settlements all throughout there, Ukraine, Belarus, wherever, um, spreading throughout Europe and now in North America and in more of the Western um, countries and English speaking places. So there's a giant movement happening there. I've been there. I've seen it with my own eyes. I went to a, a settlement in 2016 that had 400 families on it, each with two and a half acres. It's a whole different world. It's, um, you know, and, and the interesting thing is that not every domain is the same. You actually embody your current state of consciousness on the land because some people will take their land and they just build like a giant two acre house with a bunch of buildings and they park their Range Rover in the front. And then the other people there will create a flourishing garden, a fully grown hedge you can't even see inside. And there's a, a little house with an overflowing flowering garden, right? And there's this huge spectrum of what gets created, but it really is an accurate barometer of what you are, right? Because it shows how in harmony with creation you can be, right? And so it really is embodying spirituality in a way that has never really been done before um, and create and is creating a whole new civilization. Like on average, people there plant um, a couple hundred trees on their domain and like 2000 bushes. Um, you scale that up to a giant settlement of people and you have the largest uh, self-motivated regeneration movement in the world, basically, because you don't have to pay anyone to do this. They're going to plant thousands of plants. And anyway, the list goes on. But um, yeah, this is really mankind's purpose is, is Anastasia talks about perfecting the dwelling land, right? You can sum up mankind's purpose in four words. She says, perfect the dwelling land. And she says to perfect the dwelling land means to perfect yourself. It's to, to raise yourself to perfect your own consciousness in this infinite feedback loop of there is no limit to that, right? There is no way to discern what the limits of, of perfection can be if we continue in that loop, in this biological loop, like co-creating with God and his creations. Wow, man. Well, this is really powerful and it's definitely making me feel really inspired. And I want to stay in the inspiring lane. And also at the same time, I'm thinking about the practicality of getting this done. You know, I know about the sure. agenda of the 15 minute cities and over the last 20 years, the systematic destruction of farming and trying to get people into these mega cities. And there's an old movie conversations with somebody and they have this clip where they're talking in a restaurant and he goes, the basic premise of the conversation is, you know, do you ever see a lot of people in New York who say they want to leave, but they never do imagine it's a prison that people sure. have built themselves and they have a sense of pride of this place and they never leave. And that's kind of how I see cities and they want to make them even worse with the 15 minute cities with the digital enslavement and that whole idea and take out all the rural farmland and things like that. Then moving into law mm -hmm. and quote unquote owning land, right? You know, if you talk to the indigenous sure. people of the world, how do you even own land? It's a ridiculous thing to even say. 
And the government, at least in Canada, I think in the States is a little better. You got things like land patents and I guess you can squat somewhere for a couple of years and it's technically yours. Um, but the the basic idea- They have is stuff that, like land patents in Canada too. Yeah. So the basic idea really is that you know the government has no power over you. However, they will use coercion, force, deceit you know, uh, everything else to make your life very challenging. But at the end of the day, this really sure. is God's land. It really is God's law. And I'm curious if she provides any kind of support in making that happen, because it, I've thought about it as a, a lot. The The financial cost for me to do that, unless I want to move to the prairies, which maybe my life would be better if I were at some certain state of the world, but it's not a, yeah. a place where I naturally want to go. It's not a place that I am inspired to go. It's the only place that I, I could actually even afford to buy a land and then a house right. and a whole thing and everything else would ha almost have to stop. It would be a very, very challenging endeavor because of just the cost alone right. and people living in the city, they can't totally. even wrap their head around it. Why would I pay 200 grand for this land to do this? So the idea is something that deeply resonates with me. And then I just think about, how do I even begin to do something like that? Right. That's a great question. And one thing I want to say to, to your point about cities is that she says, you know, we, we shouldn't all necessarily go run off and live in the forest, right? Because we're all equally responsible for this mess of civilization that we've created. And someone has to clean up the cities too. So there's people who have read the Ringing Cedars books and don't necessarily feel the impulse to go out and buy land and create a kin's domain and all these things, or they might see it as something way out in the future. I know a guy in our community who's been looking for his piece of land for like 20 years, and he's about to probably move soon and buy a piece of land, but he's been on his journey that whole time. And so she talks about a beautiful future for the cities too. She, she says that, uh, you know, Moscow in the future in Russia, um, the Moscow river becomes so clean that people come from around the world to drink its healing waters, right? And that there are kin's domain settlements built around the city. The city is green and beautiful. There's no pollution and all these things. So it's not like we completely forget about the cities and we go away. We all should do our part, right? Um, she tells the story of a, of a young boy in the future of Moscow who basically gets inspired to make the city green and beautiful. He's like, you guys say the city is beautiful, but it's like all just stone and death. Like what's so beautiful about this? And he becomes an architect and learns how to design beautiful living spaces and gets his plans approved and begins making the place beautiful, right? So there's a bright future for the cities and all these things too. And it's really just depends on the person and where they're at and what they're ready for, right? I mean, I read the books almost 10 years ago. I still don't have a piece of land and I'm probably going to soon. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all relative, right? Everybody's on their journey. And so with making it happen, right? I mean, I, I'm totally aware of the stuff you're saying, you know, the world, world economic forum, it's 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy, right? You know, that article. And, um, and I remember in that article, they were, they were talking about, um, oh yeah. And there was these people, once the robots started taking over everyone's jobs and, everything started happening, people who, who thought it was too much for them. And they started creating self-sufficient communities outside of the cities, right? Uh, the World Economic Forum article talks about that. And they're aware of what's going to happen, basically. And it's going to be people living like this. And 
really, you know, it, it there are some difficulties with financial things or legal things. Um, there are solutions such as land patents and things like that. And, you know, um, she, she does talk about basically how we can make it all happen. For example, in Russia, because she's from Russia, the books are written in Russia. Um, she talked about how they need to get a law passed, not just in Russia, but everywhere, but starting in Russia, um, for the government to give out two and a half acres of land to everyone who wants to do this. And so currently at the national level, there's a law on kin's domains waiting to be voted on in the Russian Duma, which is like the Russian Senate. They're voting on that. It's probably going to pass and they're going to give out land to everyone. They already did in a whole bunch of regions in Russia. In the Russian Far East, they passed a law where anyone can get two and a half acres of land there um, basically for free and with no limitation or taxation or anything like that. And so they passed laws like that in other, you would call states in Russia. There's a region called Belgorod where you can get land um, for free. It's a nice place to live, actually. I have some friends who created a settlement out there. They got 150 acres of land uh, from one application with the government, and they have a whole thriving community there now. And they're like my age. And so it's it's really interesting. And so basically, she does talk about how we should try to get our governments to pass these kinds of laws. She does talk about um, how the first people to want to organize these settlements would be like entrepreneurs and people who are either financially stable or capable with their skills, right? Because it does take effort and work to make something like this happen. If you want to create a community like that, it, you know, for people who are more of the dreamer type, um, it's going to be harder to manifest because it takes action, right? So she encourages people to find creative ways to uh, use their resources to save up money and to make things happen, right? Um, and she and she also says too, to your point, that the first step to creating a kin's domain is taking a piece of land in a place that is desirable to you, right? In a climate that's favorable to you, and thus it would be favorable to your descendants and all of these things. And um, and Vladimir's like, well, you can't just go and take a piece of land anywhere you want. And she's like, yeah, it's true. That's how the system is set up. So you have to find a way to make it that way, right? You have to find a way to get the government to give you land and support it. And she says the entire future of the country and the whole world depends on this, right? And so actually, you can see she said that a law would be passed in the 90s, right? And it's it's already happened now. There's a whole bunch of predictions that she made in the books that have come true. Um, and there's tons of people in Russia who've gotten land from the government. But yeah, a lot of people started poor over there too. I mean, they're not necessarily super rich. They they would buy pieces of land or um, we have lots of wealthy people in our community who are doing the same kind of thing, buying a big piece of land and wanting to share it with people, right? So what we're doing is organizing all the people who want to live this way in North America and other English speaking areas, right? And so there are people who are generous and have these resources and want to invite people in, but there's a million ways to make it happen. And, you know, even if a person doesn't feel ready to live on their domain, they can still have this consciousness and um, live a more beautiful life and make the cities beautiful or just make everything around them more beautiful. So I hope that answers your, your question a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, obviously, with, with anything you're trying to create, it is going to take challenge. It's going to take effort. It's going to take determination, especially if you're the first to do it. So that's certainly a part of it. And it's nice totally. that she incorporated 
that understanding with her writings to understand some of the challenges that we are facing. And I'm curious, so we spoke at the beginning. I was I was wondering, is this person still living? Is this person someone you can oh, yeah. access like and go and meet or sure? How does that work? Like if you someone was asking the YouTube so, if if you've ever met her. And this is one of those people where I would go fly and meet. I just don't know if it's if it's possible. She sounds like she's kind of like a hidden forest fairy or something. That's kind of how it is. She doesn't necessarily invite people up to the taiga to meet her, but what she does say is that she is her thoughts are everywhere in space and if people want to communicate with her, they can. So, have I met her in person? No. Have I met her in my heart and my soul and in my mind? 100%. Do I talk to her all the time? 100%. You know what I mean? So, have I communicated with her? 100%. Have I and millions of other people communicated with her? 100%, right? It's kind of like uh, someone who has the omnipresent state of consciousness, like a, a master like Yogananda or Jesus or someone like that. They're everywhere and they're for everyone. You can communicate with them, but there's not really much of a reason to go see them. They can do everything they need with you from a distance. Um, and like, you're you're pretty good on that, on that end. But she's she's a real person. And I mean... You don't have to believe it. And that's not really even the main point. She says herself, I exist for those for whom I exist, right? And um, it's it's kind of a thing. If you believe she exists, then she's real for you. If you don't, then she's not. But it's more of have the books said something that touched your heart and soul. And I mean, if you look at the real life results, we're not talking about here's like some new idea that people are sitting around and thinking about and talking about. People read these books and they're immediately taking action. Their whole life changes at the drop of a dime. People will drop everything and go and buy land and live this way immediately. It's huge. And I mean, there's millions of people who are are doing this. It's just, we don't really know. So that's what I'm here talking about is this giant movement that's happening. I mean, if you come in our community, you know, you look at all the different things that are happening, you're going to see people living this way, like children being born on these domains, living in these beautiful places and the future, you know? So all this is real. It's like really happening. And, um, you know, she's as real as you, as you want her to be for you. Right. You're ma- well, I understand that kind of, but you're also making her like the Easter bunny. <laughs> so if I go to Russia, well, it's like, did I see her physical person? Cause I just imagine an individual like this, would um you know the power of her speaking to these communities of like 10,000 or even like a thousand people in that resonance we do have these sure. spiritual teachers and the disheartening thing is how many of these spiritual teachers turn out to be frauds right it, you know in our world so to sure. have somebody you know like a yogananda living would be amazing right. um you know to have someone like this right. speaking in person and to to see them would be amazing and it also seems to me that in my own spiritual experiences with the very few, what I would call enlightened people, um, it's like you have sure. to do it. You have to do it on your own. Um, it's it, it's it seems like they come. It's like a, a graduation. That's how I've always had these these very mystical experiences. Mm. It's like been like a graduation from the work that I did. Mm. No one will do it for you. Um, apologies, my yep. lights are flickering. I don't know what's going on. She's here. Um, All good. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I, I have seen like this, that type of thing, because if it's easy 
and anybody can do it, no one's going to do it. You have to want to within your own ability in your own will to want change or to want a spiritual connection or to want growth. No one can do it for you. And it can't be a guarantee. It can't be like, um, you know, I would do something, you know, I have this job, for example, and this is just a hypothetical scenario. I have a job that really doesn't contribute anything to society, but you know what? I'm making a lot of money and I got a family to feed and, you know, I'm just making that money. And maybe even that job doesn't help people, maybe kind of harms them in some sort of way, but you justify it in your mind. Um, but I, you know what I would, I would live my purpose if I could make, you know, the same money I'm making. And if it were absolutely guaranteed and there would be no risk at all, well, the spiritual growth comes from you doing it with no guarantee. And as you do the little things, it doesn't have to start with that. You do little things and little things again. And over time you grow that spiritual courage to take bigger leaps, to literally leap off a mountain, having full faith that God is going to support you. And, and in my life, I've gotten to that point to a degree, but whenever I have to make that leap again, I still am nervous, you know, but I've also seen it's always a test when God has supported me out of absolutely nowhere. And I know for absolute certain it is divine intervention for like, Hey, way to go. Because in almost all spiritual teachings, they, they speak about the difference between pursuing materialism or the world and, and objects and money mammon. And the spiritual world, yep. who you are, a connection with everything, a connection right. with God, a connection with divine, uh, uh, your relationship with all the people around you, your family, your friends, everything like that. That's the most important thing. And as you said earlier, the relationship with your family, how that is the central and most yep. important thing to being a good spiritual you know, awakened, enlightened person. It is the mastery of family. And if you look back in time, we really had those values and you're seeing the result of that decay. And I do think that that has been at the sole uh, purpose of the agenda to disrupt our harmonious way of being or to steer humanity in another direction is you have to disrupt the family unit at all costs. And I think all agendas really have that central idea at heart. Right. And so what what you're saying there is disrupting the family unit. And to take it further, it's like the love between the members of that family unit. If you can sever the connections of love between the people in that family, you've done it, right? And now people are abusing each other. Now people don't care. Now people are being mean. Now people are alone and isolated and they're taking drugs. Now criminal activity starts to happen because all all these things, right? Um, And basically what I'm talking about and what Anastasia talks about is the preservation of love, right? How can you take that spark of love between a man and a woman and fan that flame into something that never goes out forever, right? That is how we should be living. And that's how God would want us to live. God gave us this energy of love and family so that it would continue to grow love shouldn't be this fleeting thing. And we have our hearts broken multiple times throughout life and all these things. This is the symptoms of unnatural living. Anastasia talks about, I think you would like this in the 10th book. She says uh, we have this anti-rational and you have anti-rationality and rationality, right? And she says the technocratic system is anti-rational. And it's what you were saying earlier. It's an inversion of God's right purpose and and dreams and desires and how we should be living everything when we try to look at it 
And we're like, man, this doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Oh, that's so stupid. It's like, it really is. It's anti-rational. There is no sense to it, right? The 15 minute cities and everything, we can go on and on. There is no actual sense behind any of it, right? And it's this these dark forces that Anastasia speaks about that's trying to separate us um, from God's dream, right? And how we should be living and how he wanted us to live in happiness, in love forever. If we think about God, as our as our as our parent right as any loving parent would want their child to live forever in happiness that's like a basic desire that any parent would have right and so god as our as our as the parent of all of us he's this beautiful perfect being wants us to live this way forever and so that's what we're talking about is is the preservation of love and how to live a joyful life and how to do that as a society right because what happens when People read these books, their consciousness has changed. They start to say, oh, I desire these things. I want to co-create. I want to, you know, live this, this pure life. I want to live in harmony with the earth. I want to raise my children. This desire for having children, right? Which is a desire that's going away from a, a lot of our society. Like Japan is like barely having any children. They're like in a crisis um, because of, of the lack of children that are being born there, right? That's kind of a thing. And so people are inspired to, to, to live this way. And so um, basically, you start to have this large-scale societal transformation, right? You 400 families living with the same aspiration for life, right? They all want the same thing for their, themselves, their family, and their children. You've created a whole new society. And I mean, I've seen it. This is not a joke. This is real. This is demonstrated. You can go and see the map of all the different settlements across Russia in Europe and all the other countries. You can see the hundreds and hundreds of them there. You can see how big they all are. I could show you endless photos. Maybe I can give you a link if people are interested after they can see photos from settlements and stuff, or you guys can come to our site and see all these things for yourself. But it's it's all real. And you've created this society where these things don't exist. Like there's no crime there. You know, there's no, uh, they, they're self-sufficient. Everything that they need gets produced there. Um, within reason, it takes time to develop that kind of self-sufficiency, but you've solved all the problems of society. That's what the Kin's Domain model is. That's what all this is about, right? Creating a new world where we live in harmony and peace and joy. Our children grow up in happiness, in harmony with nature. They can live a natural life. We can pass this on to them. And if you want to go even deeper, um, you she's actually solved the, what I would say, one of the key problems that the spiritual traditions of the past have been trying to solve, which is reincarnating into this wheel of suffering, as as they say, right? These lives of we continue suffering and the world is suffering, that whole thing. Um, why is the world suffering and why is it something that we need to escape? Well, it's because our lifestyle and our culture created this world where everybody's suffering. And so a natural reaction would be to find inner peace and to transcend the world to end your suffering, right? That's valid. Uh, stop reincarnating into this world of suffering, be one with Brahma, and you're you're gone, right? You're done with that. But what Anastasia talks about is that you can reincarnate on your kin's domain. She talks about man is immortal. She says the immort immortality of man is in love, right? And if you can create a space that man aspires to with his own soul, and if people think about this soul with love, he can reincarnate back into that spot. And so now, you she's basically given the keys to everyone having a happy existence forever for eternity 
right? Now we no longer need to do this very difficult spiritual thing of, uh, you know, achieving nirvana or samadhi and all these beautiful things, but it's extremely hard for the average person. Everyone can go and plant a garden and create a kin's domain, right? I've, I've even seen elderly people do it, people in their 80s and 90s, even if they can't walk that much, they're so inspired to go do this that they try, you know, and why not? It's beautiful. Why not? Right? So, there's a lot to say there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love everything you're saying. And I, I love that idea. I feel like these communities or the creation of these kin's domains would be an absolutely powerful and transformative way to improve the quality of one's life and also to create, some people refer to it as breakaway civilizations or an alternative. Sure. And it's, it's based yep. in truth. It's based in simplicity and you know, reading the books and having the context is important because it's what you stand for. You know, when you try these uh, communities that I've seen, a lot of people want to make these communities and most of them fail uh, because people have just different views Correct. of everything. And so you have this underpinning yep. philosophy and education that unites people and why you're doing it and what your motives are really makes it more powerful. Right. And you spoke- That's it a few minutes ago, just about these forces that are challenging us. Does she speak, you know, in depth about, you know, what, when I look at the world, it does seem yep. like a lot of crap is going on and it's full tilt in your face from every single direction. It's, it's insanity. And it does seem like mm. they come from a dark place and it does seem like there is an agenda and it can be overwhelming. And people, I know a lot of people who have woken yeah. up and they're depressed and they're anxious does she speak yep. about you know what these forces are? How do we you know? Yep. Is she positive about how we overcome that? How does an individual overcome Absolutely. that? And how do we find you know our own path to God, to you know creation, to living a purposeful, meaningful life in joy? Because what's mm. being created for us in this artificial land is is very awful. Wow, Matt, that's a phenomenal question. And yeah, you're understanding everything perfectly. A kin's domain settlement is not like the eco-villages that we're familiar with. The two and a half acres is just for your family. And they are there to create a paradise for their family and hand it down in perpetuity. And lots of people are there with that same desire. And so it's this overarching desire. No one has to be coerced to follow it. Everyone is self-motivated everyone wants the same thing. And so that's why this ideology is able to spread like wildfire across all these different countries, because it's the same thing. Everybody believes the same thing. They want the same thing. And it works really well. Everybody has their own personal space. Everybody needs their own space. It's not communal. There are community areas on the settlements. There's little places and they do do things together, but you have your own space, which is very important. And so another one of the things, what you're talking about here is yeah she does talk about that and there's a lot to say about it so in the first book she says that we have basically passed through what she calls the dark forces window of time where basically we were supposed to experience a cataclysmic disaster that would have destroyed human civilization we'd have to start over basically and obviously as we all know this has happened more than once in the past um she describes one such occurrence in book 10 um, for those who are interested in such things. And basically what she says now is what we're witnessing is the death throes of the dying world, 
right? And this is actually a topic that's really dear to my heart because a lot of really intelligent, really good, really sincere people can see all these, all this news and all these conspiracy things and just like straight up fear porn. Let's just say it. That's how I want to say it. Um, and it's so stimulating, right? And it's so, it can make a person react in such a defensive and fearful way that it can distract their creative energy from creating something more positive, right? It becomes tunnel vision on these dark things. And I know, I know for sure, you know what I'm talking about, because there's a lot of people like that beautiful, intelligent people. And what she says is that we're seeing the death throes of the dying world. The technocratic system is basically done. Um, it's simply just a matter of time. We've crossed through this window of time where the dark forces could have enacted their plan. She explains why we were able to cross through this time and why we avoided a disaster. I'll you know leave that for you for the books. That's in book one. Don't blame me. I'm just telling you what she says. And basically... Now we're watching the death throes of the dying world. And what she said is that um, in the third book, she says that we are, um, there's an acceleration of some kind of universal energies. And anybody who's getting in the way of people, uh, of, of this life, of this dream that's being manifested, these kin's domains and everything, um, she says people who have invented all these deadly poisons and scientists and people tearing open the earth and polluting the earth she says um they're going to have to forsake life for 9000 years in order to be regenerated as healthy beings once the earth has gone through this this process and she's saying that all the souls who have uh brightness and in goodness in them are coming coming back uh through the people who are whose consciousness is changing right these pioneers of this new civilization and so um, one thing I like to urge people about is that, like, I wake up every single day the happiest, most grateful man in the world because I'm literally watching the birth of this new civilization all day, every day. It's unbelievable what I get to see people creating. It's, it's inspiring like you wouldn't imagine. And I, you know, it's good to be aware of what the dark forces are doing and what's happening in the world. But if it gets to a point where it's stopping us from moving forward and creating beauty and joy, then it's no longer serving us. Right. And so um, that's something that I, I find really important to, to remember is that why are we mad at these things that are happening in the first place? Right. It's because we want to have a better life and protect the things that are beautiful and matter to us. Right. We want to live a life full of joy and we can see these things as, as obstacles, but it shouldn't, consume all of our energy because then they win, right? If that's all we're doing is spiraling in that thing, then we're not creating, right? We've stopped creating and our thought has stopped moving and we're just there. And so, um, you know, focusing on the bright future is, is something that's really important. One time in the books, Vladimir asked Anastasia, he's like, you know, you must be really sad, like seeing everything that's happening in the world today how people are living and all their suffering. And she's like, yeah, it's true. And he's like, how do you deal with all that? You know, someone like you, like, how do you deal with all that? She says, I make images of the future and I make dreams of the future and I delight in these images. Right. And she, you know, keeps her mind focused on, on creation and, and life and beauty and making these things happen. Yeah. I hope that, that answered is, your question. Yeah. That's a really important point. 
And I certainly experienced that in my own life over the last couple of years. I feel like with the podcast, I wanted to sound the alarm and I did. And then you, it, what's that one quote? If you stare too long in the darkness, like be careful, it stares back or something like that. Those ideas yeah. or, or it like it kind of gets on you and it gets over you. And uh, it's challenging to stay too much in that, uh, that dark agenda I do think it's important to be aware of it because if you're not aware of it, you can be harmed and it is a balance. And once you've agreed and once you've kind of seen what's going on, um, then it's, you got to go full tilt into the solution. And if you're new to this, maybe it's going to take you a little bit of time. This is what the awakening is. This is what, uh, the dark night of the soul is it's messy. It's ugly. It's, you didn't, you didn't know. You know, I had, you didn't know what was going on. Like I had a friend of mine recently just figured out about the food and she's a dietitian and she just, she mm. only now figured out about the food. I was like, that's like, okay. Wow. Uh, you know, so figures out about the food and is like, oh, this is super depressing. And I was like, well, she's talking about spraying the food. I was like, well, you, we're in Calgary. And I was like, well, you ever noticed them spraying up there? She's like, what do you mean? It's like, no, that doesn't go on. I was like, how do you not look up? Like, how do you not see the spray and spray yeah, and right. spray? How do you have you not noticed this? Like, what is going on right. here? Um, and so it might be a little bit of time for you to process all the insane stuff that's going on. And then totally where the inspiration comes from and where the creation comes from and your connection with God is the full tilt opportunity for the solution. And so if you're the last yeah. one in the world working on that solution, then that's what you give your, you know, your life to, your soul to and you will be inspired, you'll be the one creating that solution for the people to come. And so you know, if you right. see the things that are bugging you, what can you do? Right? One of the things that really drives me nuts is the harm of women. And it just, just any injustice yep. in general really, really bugs me. But when people are manipulating kids and harming women and, and messing up kids. So one thing I can do, and, and this is what I've decided to do after really thinking it through for a long time is to go back mm. and put more energy and focus on the project of Zen athlete, which was the idea to mm-hmm. Trojan horse self-mastery and spirituality through sport. Because you're not going to go to a kid and tell them how to meditate or be a better person. However, if you tell them they're going to be better at sport, there's an opportunity to bring forth these new ideas. And so I really don't think our education system is doing a good job. I think it's indoctrination and harming kids in every way. And it really bugs me. And if I look at every single way it's harming kids, it creates an emotion of anger and, and all the negative ones I don't want to experience. And when I think about the solution and what is possible with educating these kids and helping these kids really find themselves and to be inspired, it makes me feel a different way. And so when I put my focus there, I feel different. So this is definitely something that I've had to go through. And I recommended with my, with my coaching clients, when we were working through some stuff, as some Mm. of them were getting new to the picture, I think you got to have a clear idea Mm. of what's going on. And it's pretty clear, but once you figured it out, then you go, okay, of these issues, what's really bugging me? What can I put my life force into? What can I start steering towards and and creating the solution? And that's the most important thing because you are are in creation. And when you're in creation, you're in spirit, you're inspired, and you're aligned with God and, and what you were put here to do. And if this is a spiritual realm, we all have purpose. And I love and prefer the idea that we were all created by a creator, put here for this time. And not everyone's going to be able to walk the path, but those who can see are, that's your job is to walk the path is to show this for the example, for everyone else who, who is asleep and has the opportunity to now see, to course correct 
Everybody has this opportunity. It's their own free will to choose darkness and evil and deceit and materialism and ignorance. And they can choose to move into truth, into spirituality, into a connection with God, into, you know, what's right and what's good and creating a divine connection. And it has to be a real life, real world example where if you are on that side, there's no half-assing it. You can't fake it. You're open to getting the feedback. You're open to learning. You're open to growing. You're open to feeling those yucky feelings when you're incorrect and correcting those behaviors and those thoughts and those ideas and those beliefs so you can align yourself more to the truth rather than holding like a mm. like an anvil or um, an anchor you know, to the bottom of the ocean of the darkness, grasping to your mm. you know, limiting beliefs and, and the material world. Hmm. Wow, man, that's so well said. And like, I couldn't agree more, you know, that we we have to be aware of what's going on around us, you know, be aware of your enemy, know your enemy, but that's it, right? It doesn't need to be anything more. And one thing I like to say to people is that we are aware of the general direction of the dark forces, right? Like we know they want more control and more separation from nature and more inversion of the things that are natural. So when we see it happening around us, it's not surprising anymore. I got to a point where I'm like, I don't see something in the news and I'm like shocked by it. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the status quo. It's kind of like just going to keep happening that way. I don't need to be surprised. I just know what's going on. Right. And so it's an interesting perspective, right? It's like, we're watching this world transition out and we're harnessing our energy towards manifesting something beautiful. And Anastasia says in one of the books, she says, um, Vladimir is telling her that people are creating little nonprofits and and centers and they're using her name in the name of the center, kind of like how how we did. And, um, you know, she says the people who are creating these centers and these these organizations about these ideas, she's like, their names are the ones that are worthy um, for the center because their souls have braved the trials of hell and have survived. Their souls have survived all these tortures and the dark forces have been trying to distort their realizations of good and trust them and and force them with temptations and they've managed to survive all of these things and they're in the world and they're shining their light and enriching the world with their presence and she says these people with their realizations of good are more useful than wise men who sit behind stone walls and just talk because they're in the world and they're enriching the world with their presence and that's what i want to say to all the listeners here it's like you have these realizations of good and truth and light in your soul and you're in the world. You are way more powerful than you think. It's not an easy world to survive in and to keep that joy and that beauty inside of you. The world is trying to crush that at every turn, right? And so preserving that and, and keeping that hope and that light shining is 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 an incredible thing. And, and you should be happy and, and proud and joyful that all these, that you're able to preserve that, you know, people like you, Matt, and everybody who's listening. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really like, I don't know, man, we're, it's just manifesting. Um, we're talking about manifesting spirituality, right? This joy and light and creating strong families, like the family thing is so important. Um, it's like the most important thing. It, it really comes back to our core purpose. Why are we here? What was God's program when he made us? What was the intended sequence of events? What was the intended path of development, right? Did he want us to create a technocratic system and separate ourselves from the divine creations? He knew it was possible, but certainly he wouldn't have wanted it, 
right? And basically, the Ringing Cedars books say that we've gone through this whole development of this technocratic path, and we've basically learned the lessons of that. And now we are coming back to this, what Anastasia calls our pristine origins, you know, uh, our the origins of man and our and our pure essence of being and coming back with the learnings of all this so that we don't repeat it again in the future. And now our society is on a trajectory that we can't be knocked off from. She says we pass through the dark forces window of time and we are going to go forward. And that's all that bad stuff is never going to happen again, you know, and um, the birth of the new civilization is here. And it's very practical at the same time. Maybe some of the stuff I'm saying sounds utopian and all these things, but it's really it's really not. And we're talking about the most practical things, land, right? Who, whoever controls your land and your food controls you. So if you control your land and your food, you've struck a huge blow at the anti-rational system. Now, if your family is living in love and joy, our women are giving birth to children happily, healthily, uh, healthfully, without any pain and, and in, in, on their own terms. Now we're creating a whole new society and they, and they, whatever they, don't want to see that. And this is everything that we're talking about here, right? It's it's family, it's love, it's joy, it's a beautiful world. And um, it's real. Like the, the last point I want to say is none of this is theory. Everything I'm saying to you has been demonstrated in practice almost as long as I've been alive, if not longer, which is, you know, pretty, pretty significant. Yeah, absolutely. The solutions that are going to work are always simple and elegant. And the basis of control is to, you know, the monetary system is one. And then even more fundamentally is your food, which is something that's happening. And the other thing about the utopian idea, one thing that's been helpful for me as of the last few years is knowing that I can only do what I can do to help in my world, that the bigger picture of the agenda of whether it's human trafficking or starvation or injustices that are everywhere I can't, you know, unfortunately go touch yeah. a button to stop it. And it makes me feel very disempowered right. to go that way. And what I could do is look at those things. Where am I getting my food from? What can I do in my world? Am I Do I have right livelihood? Does my work contribute to other people? When I exist in the world, right? I have a spiritual podcast and it's funny because I'll go down and I'll say something ridiculous to my wife, you know what I mean? And then I'll make a joke that sure. you know, I was just on a spiritual podcast or whatever. And you know, I'm just me. I enjoy the topic of spirituality, but I'm also pretty cheeky. And I also get frustrated and I'm angry and I'm a you know a man totally. who gets very frustrated and uh I don't like to be messed sure. with. And so when I go out in the world, I need to make sure that I'm being kind, that I'm being compassionate, that I'm being the best version of myself. I'm making people, you know, smile by making sure my, I'm not faking it, right? It's the resonance, like the, yeah. the cedar tree. You don't fake it. It's how good is your world. And and that's like my own mastery, right? So the better my world is, I'm, I'm in the state of gratitude and, and understanding and seeking the truth and just be, being aware, you know, you know what? I got real mad there over something stupid, you know? Okay. You know, be aware yep. of that and just let yep. that go and, and consistently approve, but really be that example on a day-to-day in every single thing I do. It's not that I'm spiritual only when I'm interviewing you. And then there's people out there that listen to us. um, And, and sure. And that's the point when I'm spiritual, it's like everything when I'm in the world, when I do everything, that's when I have to do my best to be that example. 
And I try mm. my best to do that. And I just enjoy spirituality and I want to grow and I want to improve myself and I want to be uh, a catalyst to helping people improve their own life, but also to creating a better world. And when everything yeah. is so dark and so upside down and so crazy, the opportunity to do something good and to create is everywhere. And to create is to be in alignment with the creator is to be in alignment with your true that's and right. higher self. And that's where we're inspired right. to be a part of the solution. That's why you're here. And if you're doing that, if you're committed right. to that, if you're aligning your will to that, you will be supported by something greater. And then you're going to know for sure that there is a God that you were created yep. and that there is an unseen force here and what you do matters. And all of this agenda, one of the other big things that the they want you to believe is that you're insignificant and you don't matter that what are you going to do you know the earth was 27 million dollars and we're floating through space and to this infinity bubble yep. you know um and you're going yep. nowhere and and you know what you do is a blip yep. it's like so insignificant that is the biggest yep. load of shit ever and Yep. What you do matters and you are here for a reason. And it's not to, this is the distinction right. that I think is so key. It's not to change the world. That's that's not up to you. It's to change your world, to get in alignment with yourself, to your unique contribution to everything. And that's how it works because the rest isn't up to you. You have to choose that in spite of everything, in spite of these challenges, in spite of these, um, you said it earlier, like these things that want to throw you off track, you know, enticing you to do the wrong things. Right. You have to make those choices. And that is how you change your world and affect positive change. And that's not an easy thing mm. to do because you have to go in faith. And that's why I know people doing it for real. They're not faking it. These people around the world that I consider my, my friends and my brothers and sisters, these authentic people, they resonate different because I know they all had to cross the hurdle. Nobody got there on a free pass. Mm. Nobody was like, Hey, yeah, Amen. you know, here's, here's everything you, you want to create in your solution for helping people, your money, your house, everything's yep. all lined up. No, no, no. They had to like let go of something and take that leap and then create it. And every single instance, they're happy. They did. No one ever said, I'm so glad that I, or I'm so disappointed that I let everything go to pursue who I was or mm. to make these steps. And it doesn't need to be cut everything away. It's those little steps over time. Just like if you want to change your health, mm. you want to change your trajectory, you want to change what you're doing, little step, little commitment every day, a little bit of improvement, but adding your will, adding your intent, adding your soul, learning how to communicate with nature. Um, that's kind of a side note because for the question I want to ask you, which was, Feel free yeah. to comment on what I just said. And I'm curious if she gives any tips for how to communicate with nature, how to communicate with God, how to communicate with her. Yep. Because when you say you communicate with her, that's very fascinating. Do you get it? Like she show up in 3D, which would be super neat. Do you get like intuitive knowings? How do we do that? I'd like to do that. <laughs> sure. Wow. I, I'm so enjoying this, uh, this conversation, Matt. I love the way you speak, man. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say, and I think you're going to love this quote from her, is she said, a person who can't make the people around him, the people he loves, his family, the people he cares about happy, then that that's just pseudo-spirituality. You know what I mean? If people are in your presence and you can't make them happy and uplift them, pseudo-spirituality. Anybody who claims they're spiritual and people are unhappy and disgruntled and all this stuff around them, pseudo-spirituality. And all this separation between spiritual and not spiritual is nonsense. 
it's it's nonsense because everything is spiritual because we are spiritual beings we're god's children right and so how people feel in our presence how would you feel in the presence of god right how would you feel like in this unbelievably majestic glorious presence we're we're supposed to be like this right um you know be therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect right as the bible says it's like we're making steps every day like you said towards greater and greater perfection right and this perfection has no real limit and it's just real and it's human right and we're just trying our best and to your point is people who are living their lives and they're striving to be in harmony with the creation and with the universe will be supported by life itself god wants these people to succeed the forces of light want these people to succeed and manifest their dreams and they're going to help them it is no coincidence when you have a kind of bright aspiration or a bright dream in your life and then it comes to pass in a perfect way and you would say it's coincidence it's like no anastasia says that the universe responds directly to your thoughts and aspirations and desires and corresponding to how bright or how dark they are that will determine the kinds of forces that come in to help manifest those things but whatever you hold um you know you are the the ruler of the universe you're the master of the universe your dreams and aspirations will create reality in a perfect sequence right and so you'll find that life itself will come to support you if you are striving towards this and everything you were saying about the people who you know who are really doing these things and they have to take a leap of faith you you just described me to a t i mean um i'm now going to be publishing the ringing cedars books and we've done all these things but the amount of times i've had to do that in my life is just is staggering but every step of the way i see the divine hand pushing us forward pushing my team forward pushing all of us forward to succeed and things happening in a way where it's like life really wants us to do this and life wants us to succeed and so that's what she was talking about earlier when she said uh the people who were would be in the way of this coming um would have to forsake life for 9000 years in order to be regenerated as healthy beings once we've you know turned this earth back into the paradise that it's supposed to be right and so these things are 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 so important and it's it's all spiritual it's like um man it, it's just you don't have to have any title of spirituality it's just living a happy joyful life right trying to live the way that god intended being kind and full of love and manifesting that around you in any capacity that you can right and um yeah we're just talking about the future and 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 society and the new civilization and all these things but yeah i couldn't agree with you more man yeah i i love all that and oh I and so to, you asked yeah me i want to go back to that question I forgot yeah you asked yeah, yeah. Question. yeah what was what was the question one more time it's does she give any guidance on how to connect and communicate more deeply with nature with god and with yep. her and when you say you communicate with her, her um do you like have a practice or what is it what does that look like yeah and an important thing to to note is that it's interesting how anastasia positions herself she comes as like a wise friend not necessarily someone you would have like a guru kind of relationship with but someone who just knows things and is open to share right and she basically says there's a part in book 3 where 
Vladimir is telling her like lots of people claim they communicate with you and they say that you respond directly to them. Right. And how, how does this all happen? How can you respond to all these millions of people? And she basically says, my thoughts exist in space. When thoughts are, are thought, they don't simply vanish, but they exist in space forever. She says, my thoughts are there and anybody who wants to can communicate with them and at, at any time. And basically, um, you know, so that that's it's possible, right? Lots of people, if you come into our community or you ask Ringing Cedars readers, they would say that they've had some kind of experience or some kind of communication where they felt she was telling them something or something like that. I mean, all I do is is Ringing Cedars stuff and Anastasia related things. So this is where my mind is at all day long. I'm running a foundation and we're so I'm probably a more extreme example of this. Um, so I'm I'm doing this all day long, but when she talks about communicating with God, she makes it, she, she says her desire is to make the image of God more clear and alive and plain and accessible to everyone than ever before. And she describes God as you know, we're, we're created in his image and he's this beautiful being with feelings just like us. When we say we're created in the image of God, what does that mean? Well, if we look at ourselves, God has feelings and intelligence and consciousness. He can feel joy and he can feel sorrow. He can be worried and he can be joyful and all these things. And he's basically like us, but much more perfected and sensitive and omnipresent, which is hard to imagine. Um, no time exists for him, but he's a, he's a loving parent and he exists within all of us. And she describes him as this incredibly dear and accessible being. He cares about all of us unbelievably more than we could ever imagine. Every moment he's striving to get our attention and to turn us back to the divine way of being. Every moment he's reaching out to us through the, the grass and the trees and the stars and, and waiting for us to come back to the garden, right? And he's trying to do this for all of us. And so she says to communicate with him is very easy, right? Because there is nothing between you and him. He's your very own. He's your father. He loves you. Father, mother, whatever you want to call him. He's neither male nor female, but she refers to him as father. And so, you know, he's our loving father and he is, is just there and he's all around us. And so she says um, in nature, right, there's no artificial information fields that can distract your thought away from his, uh, his materialized thoughts, which is nature. So you can communicate with him there. And uh, communicating with nature is more about the intention behind it, right? So let's look at the kin's domain, for example. You are, you're deeply invested in this piece of land and the things that you're planting. You're planting them with inspiration, with love, and with a purpose, right? And so it's not just like I'm planting like just some tomatoes just like to eat. It's way deeper than that. I'm planting this tree for the future generations of my family, I'm planting this tree, right, for these deeper things. And so through that kind of contact with nature, this intentional contact, this is a, a big difference between some people would look at kin's domains and just think it's like a homestead. That's kind of like the basic level one function of it. That's kind of secondary. The The important thing is, is the intention and the consciousness behind all of this action, right? How the, the intention this person is planting these things and uh, their relationship with the plants, you know? Um, and she says that nature 
um, and the plants and the trees, they interface with the light of the universe, right? The planets and the stars and the sun and the moon, and they act as a channel for communication between these things. So when you establish that kind of conscious contact with the nature around you and the stuff that you're planting, you begin to receive that information from the universe too. It starts to come back to you. And these channels of communication with the whole universe begin to open. Um, and so it's all there for all of us, right? We simply have to start making this contact with the earth. Um, and one little thing that you might find interesting related to conscious contact with nature, she says, there's a way that you can plant your seeds where they can heal any disease that you may have. And what she says is you can take the seeds and put them under your tongue for nine minutes. And what this will do is the saliva from your body will impregnate the seeds with all this information about you and your current needs and everything about your condition. And then you stand outside on the spot where you want to plant the seed barefoot. You take the seed out, blow some warm air on it, like hold it up to the stars, let it get some information from the sky and then plant it. And what happens is when you plant those seeds, they have all this information about you and, and your present state of health. So they're going to pull up from the ground everything that you need particularly suited to you. She says, you don't even need to plant a whole garden full of plants like this, but if you just do a few, it'll be sufficient. And she, it can cure any disease better than any herbal medicine uh, or man-made medicine without exception, because it's something made specifically for you and your state of being. So you make teas from these herbs or you eat these fruits or plant a tree that way, plant an apple tree that way and eat apples like that made for you for the rest of your life. There's people living that reality right now um, and they can attest to this. I can attest to it. It's incredibly healing. So she talks a lot about that, this conscious relationship with nature and how to experience God as something, as someone real, someone dear to you and the the true purpose behind the communication with nature like basically this space around you your domain basically connects you to the whole universe right because there is an exchange of energy and information happening there and you're at the center of it right and so all these things begin to open up to you and you you start to have all that Wow, man. Well, that's truly incredible. And what you shared about planting the seeds immediately, I just feel like it's true. Although some people might think like, oh, no, that's crazy. There's no way that would work for me. I don't know why it just, seems, it just seems like common sense in some sort of way, because I feel like I have a core belief that we have divine intelligence and that we were created and that, you know, like you said, nature is a part of creation. We're just learning simple ways to connect with that. And it's not complicated. You know, it might not right. work, but heck, you know, it, it might. And what would be the level of consciousness for somebody living, you know, born in the forest, living in the forest, staying in the forest and what you talked about at the beginning where, you know, okay, maybe this person doesn't exist and it's all made up. However, when you read the words, it's like, these are incredibly powerful. How in the world did you write that? And that's how I felt about reading um, the life and teachings of the masters of the far East, because it'll talk about Jesus yeah. showing up and Buddha showing up. And the words are just so deeply resonant that if you just made that yeah. up and you could write that, that is absolutely unbelievably profound. You're the greatest writer of all time, you know, because of all time. 
it's like you 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 have to be connected to a level of consciousness and information to be able to put that stream down into words and that's where i always know where i'm at in my own level is how i'm able to write it and articulate it and i'll look at something in the past and realize that my understanding was very new and it's it's mm. grown over time on how i'm able to articulate it the analogies that i can come up with which happens you know, byproduct of your intention and practice and life and wisdom and being okay with where you are, you know, and just in wanting mm. growth and wanting to learn and wanting to be aware of the things that you're doing that are harming you and, and coming into a full balance with who you are and your integration with God. And one of the central themes of this podcast and what I've been trying to do in my own life is having that relationship with God as a primary and what do I do yeah. to ensure that that relationship is being cultivated? And so I feel like meditation yeah. in itself is incomplete. That could be the listening portion and it's good to do. It's a great practice. Um, prayer is a phenomenal yeah. way. And I really love how you shared uh, the idea that God is always reaching out to you. And that for me is something that yeah. I've been trying to recognize and be aware of more often throughout the day that God is always there, always reaching out, always apart, never leaving. And we just have to go through mm. some of these challenges and this mystery and confusion as a part of our growth process in a realm and an experience that we have free will. Because if we had certainty, if we had the mm. knowledge, we wouldn't be growing and we might not know why we're growing. We might not know why we're right. here in particular. Uh, I'd be curious. Does she say anything about that? Why, why are we having the human experience yeah. beyond this, this veil that so, we're experiencing? Such a good question. She, well, God gave us infinite freedom, right? We have free will to act in accordance with the divine will or against it, right? And Basically, she says the reason why God doesn't directly come in and save things for us is that we would become reliant on outside help. Humanity would become reliant on someone else saving us if God were to step in directly and, and put us on the right path. And so he patiently waits and tries to encourage us to learn our lessons and learn, right? But he he knows that if he comes in himself and does something, then he is going to disempower us ultimately. And we're not going to be the truly divine creators that we are, right? We have all the capability that God does ultimately because, you know, a, a truly loving parent would want their children to be better than them. He's given us the capacity to become infinitely perfect and to be creators in a way that we can't even understand. And the tremendous power of our thought and our consciousness, he's given all this to us in this infinite freedom, right? And you know, I would really, you inspired me to share one of the most powerful passages from the series. Uh, if you, if you would just give me two minutes to read this, because it's talking about God reaching out to us. And so Vladimir and Anastasia are there and he's basically asking her, like, do you pray to God? Right. And she says, yes, I pray. And she's like, do you hear his responses? And can you talk with God? And she says, yes, like I do. And you know, she, he's, ba she, he basically asked like, what words would God say to us? Well, she's like, well, the divine language is full of, 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 um, she says, there's one language for all, uh, it's woven together out of the rustlings of the leaves, the songs of the birds and the roar of the waves. The divine language has fragrance and color through this language. God responds to each one's requests and gives a prayerful response to each prayer. 
And he says, could you translate or express into words what he says to us? She says, I could give you an approximation. And, and, and he's like, why just an approximation? And she says, because our language is much too poor to be compatible with the language that God speaks to us in. But she attempts to. Um, and this is what she says. This is God's prayer to man. And she, she says, um, my son, my own dear son, how long I have been waiting. I'm still waiting. A minute last, a minute holds a hundred years. A moment holds a, a moment lasts millennia. I'm waiting. I've given you all. The earth is all yours. You are free in everything. You shall choose your own path. All that I ask, my son, my own dear son, is that you be happy. You do not see me. You do not hear me. In your minds are doubt and sorrows. You're turning away. Where to? You're yearning for something. What for? And you're bowing to someone. I stretch out my hands to you. My son, my own dear son, be happy, I ask of you. Again, you are going away, but your road leads to nowhere. On this road, the earth will explode. You are free in everything, and the world is exploding and tearing your destiny apart. You are free in everything, but I shall stand my ground. I shall restore you to life with the last blade of grass, and once more the world will shine around. Only be happy, I ask. On the faces of saints, a deep sorrow swells. You are frightened by judgment and hell. They tell you I shall send judges. But I only pray for that time as before, when you and I are together once more. I believe you will return. I know you will come. I shall embrace you once more. Not as a stepfather. Not as a stepfather. I am yours. I'm your Abba, your father, the only one. And you are my very own son, my own dear son. We shall be happy together as one. I don't know. I got nothing else to say. Amazing, man. That's that's so beautiful. I even teared up at the beginning. <laughs> I, just, I just went like the full yeah. body tingles and then had a tear up. And for me in my own personal life, what I've been doing now is, uh, you know, recently is just going for these, you know, God walks where I had Daniel Krenzel on and he talked about these God walks and it's just such a simple practice. It, it was, it's a the way of moving prayer. What I like about it, I've modified how he does it, but it's like a moving yep. prayer and then it's gratitude and then it's speaking with God and then it's time in nature and it's walking. And I combine all of these amazing tools in a very simple daily practice. And, you know, the, Beautiful. I think I've been praying about this as long as I remember. It's like, God, I just want a connection, you know, please guide me. It's, it's lonely yeah. here. <laughs> this is a hard place yeah. to be, you know, and, and to just hear those words, it was just very powerful and, and resonant and kind of made me teary a little bit. And then, so I go to the the challenge. Does she speak about the challenges of being human to be disconnected and how we deal with the, the fear and the dark forces of like, Holy smokes. Uh, you know, how do I deal with, with this fear and this uncertainty and this life I want to create for my daughter and family in the face of unbelievable evil and adversity and challenge. It's, yeah. it can be uh, scary to, to remain joyous, right? Because you have to have faith essentially you have to be like okay i yeah. recognize these threats i recognize these challenges and how can i um come to the space of faith and that's where for me the solution has been is have my faith bigger than my fear 
you know, my faith in God, Amen. my faith in the creator, my faith that my, my child would be taken care of. I have no fear yep. for death. I fear a bit for suffering. <laughs> I fear for suffering. <laughs> I feel want, that. You know, I don't want to suffer for a prolonged period of time. <laughs> you know, that's, Certainly. I, you know, I would like to be healthy and I'd like to be vibrant. And when I look at the challenges, that's where the concerns come in. And I'm curious to she speak about that, like to see these things, but to, to mm. rise in faith and encourage. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely does. And honestly, man, I when I read that, I have to hold back tears too, no lie, because I, I just got to keep my composure and read that. But um, it's some of the most powerful words that I've ever heard, right? Those words. And it's so life affirming. And so you feel the dearness of God to each one of us, right? How he's speaking there. My own dear son, you're my very own dear son. We shall be happy together as one. Like, it's beautiful, right? And so talking about mm, these things you know she she talks about that's why she makes it clear that we're witnessing the death throes of the dying world right is that ultimately these things will have no reality and she does you know say that um she gives all these affirmative stories about the future of how people living this way will succeed and will be supported by the forces of good and that their obstacles will start to vanish and these things will happen. And she tries to urge people to look, you know, it's it's not easy, right? Faith is cultivated. You know, you, you make a prayer, you make a sincere prayer one day and God responds and you see, oh, wow, that actually worked out, right? That that actually happened. Something great happened here. And it's, it's like a muscle. It starts to, you start to see it more, right? I, I make a request and something happens. And faith is built. It's not immediately, immediately recognized, right? It doesn't, the full cognition of it doesn't come immediately, but it's something you cultivate and it's a relationship. It's a dialogue. You start to see that when you ask for something, this invisible hand is responding to you. There is someone that's listening and responding to you, right? And you begin to have this child, like this beautiful relationship with that power, right? With, with God and and seeing how he will respond and help you. And it's like, honestly, it's hard to say, you know, I think it's different for everyone, but um, just focusing on, on creation and trying to not let these dark visions kind of get you down. Because really, when we look at things, at least this is one perspective, is that, you know, we see the whole world is not living this way, right? Like, there isn't kin's domain settlements and on every state and every continent and covering the whole world yet but it's like we're pioneers right it's it's always the minority of people that go out to make the change so naturally we have to bear a little bit more of the load right and it kind of just is that way but it's an honor because we're redeeming our ancestors we're redeeming our family lines we're setting ourselves on a powerful path forward in harmony with God and nature. And like, we have the great privilege of being the people who restore the world in to this beautiful flourishing garden in this beautiful, happy place that it's destined to be. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's going to be difficult sometimes and it's going to hurt, but ultimately it's not going to take us off our path. The, the important thing is not giving up. Right. And trying to recognize the opportunities and the learnings where they are. And, um, you know, it does take some level of bravery, something I don't know. I feel pretty passionate about this subject just because it's kind of real. It's like, we're all going through it, 
but as long as we are, our dreams don't die. That's the important thing. Um, don't let the dreams die. Keep going. And life will support you in that way. Yeah. I love that. That's very well said. And I love the idea of like the honor to bring that dream forward, the honor, uh, and privilege to do it. And it reminds me of the quote that goes something along the lines of like, I don't pray for an easy life. I pray for the strength to, for the strength, for the strength to bear, uh, one of you, know, something like that, the strength to bear the, right. Don't pray that your life is easier, but pray that you're stronger kind of thing. Yeah. There's a proper quote that people listening can figure it out from what I'm saying there and butchering the, the yeah. right yeah, the strength to, you know, to bring it forward to, and it is an honor. And it makes me think about, you know, in my own life where I might be complaining about how hard and, and the challenge and, and that idea of I feel that almost dishonoring, I don't know if it's like dishonoring is the right word, but, uh, just, yeah, the, I don't know, weakness is kind of another one that comes to mind, like dishonoring the creator, you know, I was like, no, you have this, you know what I mean? You mm. have a beautiful opportunity. And and maybe I feel like in the same sense that I chose it, like, it, yeah, if anybody could do this, everybody would do it. You've chosen this and there's great honor in that. And you can get through mm. this. And that's what I learned through martial arts. And when I teach people and when I see mm. people do great things, it is the idea of never giving up and continuing to move forward in that right. inspired thought and that's inspired vision and the inspired way of living because you know who you are and you know the gift you can bring to other people. You see the joy, you know it's true. It resonates in your being and that's the gift. And there's honor in bringing that gift and to complain about it, you know, about the work and the effort. It's like, okay, if I'm training an athlete or I'm training a person and they're complaining about doing research and, you know, journaling or whatever, then they don't really want to be on the path. Yeah. And then we go to the body and we have a, a workout program and a diet or, you know, a new way to eat anyway. And, you know, then they're complaining about that. Well, what is it that you want? You know, do you want the honor mm. of being the best version of yourself that's living in integrity with your heart, your mind, your soul in alignment with God? Or do you want what's easy, mm. what's being designed for you, what's in, you know, not alignment, right? You you make a choice. Mm. And then the mm. one, you know, you know, you're sacrificing your soul. You know that little bits of you are dying. Yeah. And that's a big price to pay over the honor of doing the work of knowing who you are and bringing your your soul and your heart and your mission forward, whatever that may be. Mm. In, in the simplest way or the most complex way, in the smallest way or in the biggest way, it's not a thing where you push the button and change the world. It's changing your world, which influences the people in your world, which that is in a sense changing the entire world. That's what your responsibility is. You don't have the responsibility for... Uh, everyone you don't know or all the horrors that might not be in your lane. However, you doing that bit is the puzzle piece that eventually brings it all together. And that tidal wave does happen through those small changes because then it clicks together like a puzzle because it's cohesive, it's cooperative. Mm. And you're grateful for someone mm. else's journey of mastery, of not giving up, of bringing that forward, of cultivating that. And then you experience it directly immediately. And you just say, thank mm. you. And you don't, that person had a life struggle to bring that forward, right? And in their own journey, mm. bring it forward. And, and then at that moment, they realize, well, what a gift, you know? And then they get the joy of it, but it, they had to walk the path. I, for some reason, we have to go through the trials and tribulations and maybe it's possible to do it in an easy way. 
Uh, I don't think so. I think the the best we can hope for, and it's in a way of complete faith and the perspective of this yeah. is a gift. I am enjoying this process. I'm right where I need to be now. I will embrace every challenge and every adversity as it is the one that I'm facing at the moment with you know full faith, full love, full joy in doing the work that I came here to do. Right. Wow, man. You know, I feel like I could say something, but I feel like Anastasia could say it better. Right before that little prayer that I read for you, she kind of gives her prayer to God, right? And and it's very short, but this is so on topic with everything that you're saying. But she basically is, is speaking to God and, and she says this, she says, my father, you are present everywhere. For the light of life, I gladly thank you for your bright kingdom visible here and now and for your loving will, long live the good. For daily bread and daily food with joy, I thank you. And for your loving patience, and for your giving of forgiveness of sins on your earth fair, my father, you are present everywhere. I am your daughter here midst your creations. Weakness and sin, I shall not let them in, but prove myself worthy of your consummations. My father, you are present everywhere. I am your daughter, your joy, I declare. My entire self shall magnify your glory and your bright dream, the coming ages all will live and share. It shall be so. I wish it so. I am a daughter of yours. My father, you are present everywhere. And that like says everything I feel like you're saying here. It's like, you know, she says weakness and sin. I shall not let them in. You know, she says earlier to Vladimir in the books, like the human soul has been given all the strength it needs to resist the temptations of evil. Right. And to resist, you know, to, to strive against the powers of darkness and to succeed. Right. And she says, I, I will prove myself worthy of God's gifts. Right. Like she's saying, I will work to show the worth of all the great blessings you've given upon me. Right. And it's kind of like what you're saying here. Right. I'm your daughter, your joy. I declare, you know, my entire self shall magnify your glory. Right. It's like we make this effort and this decision to try to be the best versions of ourselves in every way. And that's what we, that's the best thing we could do instead of saying like, oh, I'm weak. I'm this, I'm that I'm a sinner or whatever. I'm this. And always asking for God, like, oh, I'm weak and God help me and save me. It's like, no, I'm going to try my part, right? I have been given reason and will and intelligence, and I'm going to exercise these things to the highest degree to my capability. I probably will fall but I will not stop. Yogananda says, a saint is a sinner who never gave up, right? And it is what it is, right? How do you become like that? It's it's constant determination. Don't judge yourself. Let it go. You know, the, the vanished lives of all men are dark with many shames is another quote from Autobiography of a Yogi. Um, and just, it it all is what it is, but we have that strength within us and we owe it to ourselves to manifest this divine version of ourselves that God has given us the power to, and we have this power, right? And you know, it's not easy. It takes work, but what other way is there ultimately, right? Which, which direction are we going? Absolutely. 
incredible man and incredibly powerful words uh i've loved every minute of this show we'll we'll have to do another one Me i'm too. feeling inspired i'm definitely gonna read the books now uh it's exactly why i knew i had to read them it's maybe it's a, there's a reason why i didn't read them when i was younger uh but i'm excited to read them now is there anything that mm. we didn't cover or that you want to leave the listeners with before we close the show um well, I'd say there's a lot we didn't cover because there's so much in the books. There's 10 <laughs> books. Um, there's a lot we didn't cover, but I hope to the listeners and to you, my friend, it's been it's been a great, great pleasure speaking with you. I've enjoyed this tremendously. I really look forward to doing another one. It's been so wonderful. And to the listeners, I hope we've been a- I've been able to illuminate a bit of these ideas and philosophy for you and to share this um this consciousness with you. Um Yeah, there's a lot, but the main ideas are family, joy, love, creation, our purpose here on the planet, and how we can live happily, right? Because it's all practical. God has given us all the wisdom that we need within us. We don't need to seek externally to find how to live a happy life. We just got to go in that direction, and everything we need will unfold, right? Uh, God has hidden nothing from us. Everything is within us, and He's right there for us in every moment. And it just takes a moment to decide that I'm going to live this life and go in that direction. And, and that's all it takes. Right. And Anastasia says in the books, even people who are beginning to create these kinds of things in their dreams and their thoughts are more valuable to the world and to life itself, um, you know, than people who are like, you know, going against creation and, and things like that. Right. This is, this is the divine intention for our lives. And so, yeah, man, um, if people want to get the books, um, you know, we're working to republish them. Um, one little thing I want to say is, is Vladimir McGree wrote me a message and he said this to me last year, the author of the books. He said, Gabriel, I intuitively feel that you could create a large and powerful community in the English speaking countries, could present the world with a new paradigm for overcoming the crisis. The correctness of my assumptions has been proven in practice and all countries where I've ever spoken to readers, they express their desire to create and be friends. I'm grateful to you that you feel the situation well and are able to do a great deal for all the people in the world. And that's what we're doing is we're connecting readers of the books, giving them resources, inspiring people. So if you've read the books, come join our community, Anastasia Foundation. We welcome you with open arms. We got a million ways for people to connect, all kinds of events happening. We're going to be republishing the books, get on our mailing list for when that happens. I'm working on it with the author. Um, but yeah, go, go read the books. You can get them from the Australian website currently. Um, maybe I can send you some links and maybe you could put it in the description for like people who want to get the books. Um, you can download the eBooks from Vladimir's website, come to our telegram chat. We have the PDFs of everything. If you want to print them out yourself, book one is like $40 used now. I get it. Um, so if you need the PDF, just print it out. You could get it for like 20 bucks and yeah, that's that's pretty much everything I, I have to say. But the books say everything I've said much better. That's why I don't hesitate to read quotes from them because I'm not even going to try. I'm just here as a message and a, a vehicle for the book. So if any of this has intrigued you, go read the books and you'll get it way better than I've said it here. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for the work you're doing and being here. And that's when you recognize wisdom. It's in the writing. When you realize that you've put a lot of time and effort into understanding or wanting spirituality or a subject or wanting to know God, and you read words that are far beyond what you're comprehending said in a way far more clear with beauty and precision that you're unable to do, you say thank you for this teaching. 
that this is something that Amen. I'm going to look at integrating and understanding because I'm not there yet. That's uh, you know a level of mastery. So I mm-hmm. just uh, appreciate you for what you're doing. I'm excited to dive in to get in touch and uh, we'll, we'll just stay in touch, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you, brother. My pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening. See you in the next one. Peace. There you have it, the incredible Gabriel Miguel from the Anastasia Foundation. I hope that you enjoyed that very powerful episode. Go check out the Anastasia Foundation. See if you can get your hands on some books. I know he's working on getting them back into reprinting so they'll be more accessible for everyone. And if you enjoyed this show, please share it as far and as wide as you can. Um, You can leave a review on iTunes, leave a review on Spotify, become a member and support the show if you want, and go to mattbelair.com. Click on the membership. You can do so for free or by donation if you want to become a patron and support the show. Soon, we will be having some really cool merch, so keep your eye out for that. So we've got some nice, cool mastermind, body, and spirit t-shirts, some Zen Athlete t-shirts, and some really other cool stuff coming our way. So coming your way, actually, um, and my way, too, because I'm going to grab some stuff. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you, your time. I appreciate your life and, and giving me you know this attention, and I hope that this podcast podcast serves you and helps you grow, helps you have a little bit more peace, a little bit more power, a little bit more faith, a little bit more connection to God. And uh, just thank you for being here. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you. And let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close the show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, empowerment, faith, courage, love, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.